Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, you can also send a message through the KPL app chat. Come, my friends, and I will conceal nothing from you. I did not get show notes done. I'm barely prepped. I, I, Mark hit the microphone, and I wasn't exactly sure what I would talk about, but... There is some local news, and it's tied into a conversation that actually Mark's been part of for the past two days. The Hyman Center announced today that it is going to switch its ticketing platform. Uh, a couple weeks ago, when we had the conversation about moving the Hyman Center and everything like that, or, or you know where this would all be going, we uh, one of the conversations that came up from one of the callers was the fact that ticket prices are so high at the Hyman Center. And I remember, I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I do remember saying that one of the things is that Ticketmaster's fees are part of what's so incredible there. And in fact, Ticketmaster is now being looked at by the Department of Justice for antitrust concerns. So this stems in part uh, as as most world-shattering, apocalyptic things do, this deals with Taylor Swift. Um, Taylor Swift dropped a new album. It is a good album. If you like music and you don't mind Taylor Swift and the fact that she is one of the most depressing artists out there just in terms of the subject matter of her writing, uh, she's a very good artist. The music is good. She's also one of the most popular out there. Her album drops. She announces she's going on tour. There's pre-sales. They're getting ready for the sales and everything. Ticketmaster crashes. The system crashes. It's the only way you can buy tickets to a Taylor Swift show. Ticketmaster crashes. They cancel pre-sales. They cancel uh, ticket sales. Uh, Those that can get to them, they find out that they are insanely expensive And so there was a lot of blowback. It got tons of media coverage. And what we're seeing right now is that there are venues across the country, smaller venues, not the big stadium shows, but smaller venues that are dropping Ticketmaster and going to some other platform. There is a well-known nightclub in D.C. that that has dissolved its partnership with Ticketmaster. And this isn't new for, for years Several places have been looking to drop their partnership with Ticketmaster. Their their parent company, Live Nation, uh, is kind of looked at as a monopoly. It's not quite a monopoly. There's a lot of competition out there, but it's much smaller competition. You know, it's like saying, uh, it's it's like the the old uh, what what am I thinking of? Um, it it would be like it, it would it's like saying you know every the, the fast food industry is dominated by like three massive chains or whatever and there's these smaller ones well you have the competition there's all the smaller ones yeah but you have like 15 of the big ones in a certain area and they kind of crowd out everything else it's kind of the same thing here you've got one big name and it kind of crowds out everything else well the smaller venues have decided enough's enough they're going to start dropping ticketmaster because of the fees because of everything else and they're going to move to a platform where they have a little bit more control and that's what you're starting to see you're starting to see that venues that are not major concert venues but performing arts centers like the hyman 
uh, popular large nightclubs that bring in big acts from all over the country. Uh, these places have decided enough is enough. And so now you're seeing that locally. Ticketmaster announced today uh, in an email that went out that all you have to do is when you go to the Hyman Center website, you look for a show, you go, and it says tickets are available through Tixly, T-I-X-L-Y. You've got, you go through there, but you've got to create, like Ticketmaster, you've got to create an account there. And then, of course, the Hyman Center will be able to send you updates through Tixly, just like it did through Ticketmaster. What you do need to know about this, though, is that if you have already bought tickets through Ticketmaster for a show at the Hyman Center, those are not all of a sudden void. Those will still be uh, those will still be recognized. Those will still be valid at the Hyman Center. I know that there's a show that me and my family will be going to in January. Uh, those tickets were purchased through Ticketmaster. I do not want to have to go and buy those tickets again, but the Hyman Center is saying you don't have to do that. Those tickets will still be valid. They will still be recognized by the Performing Hearts Center. But this does also kind of tie into the discussion that's been had here on KPL for the past couple of days on the morning show and a couple of times here on my show. This discussion of the Performing Arts venues. Uh, there's one caller... Uh, who's called in for both times we've talked about on the air and has asked the same question. And it's a good question. We have all of these venues. Why do we need to build another one? Why do we need to move the Hyman Center? And part of the answer to that is that none of those other venues does what the Hyman Center does. The Hyman Center is a place where big record. I mean, Weird Al just came through. Um. You have a lot of major shows there. You had the great Star Wars show uh, earlier this year. You had a few years back, or actually several years back, time, time is meaningless sometimes, uh, the Blue Man Group came through. Uh, there's a, been a lot of good shows. Those shows just simply aren't supported by any other venue that's here. And the Cajun Dome is, a, is one of those big venue places where the big concerts roll through. When you look at the Hyman Center, these are more like medium-sized acts. The Cajun Dome is also a place for major events. Just the space is different. So when you have these different types of venues, you want to make sure that they're the best quality venues possible. And I've said before, I'm fine with the new center. I just, there are questions that still need to be answered. Mark asked a lot of those questions of Josh Giller this morning. If you missed that, you can go back and uh, listen to the podcast version through the KPL app. But... Uh, there's a lot of questions that still need to be answered there. But anyway, uh, local news uh, that is pertinent to a lot of the conversation we've been having, the Hyman Center is dropping Ticketmaster is going to switch to a service called Tixley, and this is actually following a national trend that we're seeing in performing arts venues elsewhere. 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. When we come back, let's start to get into some of the uh, hard news of the day. We'll have that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, uh, lots of lots of national and, and frankly international news to go through today. Obviously, the, the, the story that's dominated the headlines today is the Brittany Griner trade. Uh, and no, we're not talking about from one WNBA team to another. Uh, we're talking about the fact that the U.S. has actually made a trade for Brittany Griner 
with Russia to get her out of a Russian gulag. Um, there are a lot of conservatives, a lot of Republicans who are kind of upset at the trade because we've got a U.S. Marine. Uh, most reports say former Marine, but any Marine will tell you there's no such thing. Uh, U.S. Marine Paul Whelan is still in a Russian prison for essentially having done nothing and has been there since, I think, 2018. Um, so the the issue here, there's there's a couple. Uh, Whelan's family has said they're 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 glad that they that the Biden administration could get Griner home, um, but of course they are disappointed that that Whelan was left behind. Uh, Whelan himself told uh, CNN um, said to CNN, I don't know how CNN got an interview from Whelan, but um, said that he was disappointed, obviously being left behind. Um, and there are reasons to criticize it, of course. Uh, part of the issue here, though, is. Brittany Griner had more social value to the Biden administration, or at least in the eyes of the Biden administration. Why is that? Well, the media, Democrats, even Republicans all were outraged. They expressed all this outrage at the arrest of Brittany Griner. And so Vladimir Putin, whose government took Brittany Griner prisoner, put her through a sham trial, arrested her, sent her to prison, saw the U.S. media reaction to that. And that became the negotiating tool because we put so much value on Brittany Griner. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have. I'm simply saying that because we did and because nobody talked about Paul Whelan, that became the negotiating tactic for Vladimir Putin. The trade, however, aside from the fact that we didn't get more than one American out of there, is who we traded for Griner. In that trade, we gave a Russian arms or convicted arms dealer to Russia. And that is a source of contention among Republicans and among conservatives right now. Uh, the person that we traded was a guy named Victor Boot, convicted Russian arms dealer. And this is, of course, uh, something that is deeply unpopular. But we also need to remember one other thing. There's probably some stuff going on behind the scenes that we're just not privy to. And I think one of those is how much is the intelligence community involved in handing over Victor Boot? Because if you're an international arms dealer, you're working for a geopolitical foe. You're not just going to give that guy up. The best case scenario is that there's some person sitting behind a computer monitor somewhere whose job is to follow that guy forever. The best case scenario is that there was enough leverage to get him to turn, and so the intelligence community actually benefits from that. But we don't know. There's just stuff that went on behind the scenes that we don't know. It's not a very transparent process, and of course, it's the intelligence community. It's national security. It's not supposed to be a transparent process, because if it's transparent to us, it's transparent to the entire rest of the world, which in itself is a national security risk. Brittany Griner is on a plane to come home. An American is out of a Russian prison. 
Was it a perfect trade? No. And I'm probably in the major in the minority on the conservative side, but I I am upset that Whelan wasn't part of the deal. But I don't find myself nearly as outraged as a lot of conservatives do. And I hope that the Biden administration will keep its word and continue to work to get Whelan home. What does surprise me a bit more is that Griner was not kept by Putin for a rainy day because Putin still needs an out when it comes to the Ukraine situation. A lot of people uh, have kind of forgotten about that. Putin does not want to actually really be in Ukraine much longer. He's talking tough, but he is, his military is not doing well. They have not been doing well. And he would like to get out, but he doesn't want to come out of it a loser. He wants to get something out of it. And part of the way that you get something out of it is to make the larger players on the world stage come in and praying to come to the table. And that's why several people were expecting Brittany Griner to be in Russia longer because they thought that she would be a part of the trade to get Ukraine to stand down, let Russia say they've taken this property, but end the conflict. But that is the big international news of the day. That is something that a lot of people are keeping their eye on. Like I've said, I've given you my take on it. It will be interesting to see what goes forward. However, there is one thing that you do need to know. This marks a historic day because it is the first time that a WNBA trade has made headlines. Now moving on. I want to, in the last couple minutes here and going into the next segment, I want to introduce you to some data that really kind of muddies some narratives on what happened in November and and what happened in Georgia on Tuesday. I need to read to you this headline first. Turnout by Republicans was great. It's just that many of them didn't vote for Republicans. Now here's where you're going to scoff at me a little bit. This was in, this is over at the New York Times. It was written by a guy named Nate Cohn. Nate Cohn is a polling and data analyst that does a lot of election deep dives. And the data that he is putting forward looks pretty valid. And it does signal that there is a deeper problem in the Republican Party when it comes to the types of candidates that it seems a majority of Republicans will support. Here's how the story starts. After yet another disappointing showing for Republicans in Georgia's Senate runoff on Tuesday, some conservatives like Sean Hannity, Newt Gingrich, and Kevin McCarthy have begun to point to a surprising culprit, a failure to take advantage of early voting. 
The theory seems to be that Republicans are losing because early voting is giving Democrats a turnout edge. It follows a similar conversation after the midterm elections when a chorus of conservatives said Republicans need to start encouraging mail-in voting. But as more data becomes available on turnout in this year's election, it's quite clear that turnout was not the main problem facing Republicans. In state after state, the final turnout data shows that registered Republicans turned out at a higher rate and in some places a much higher rate than registered Democrats, including in many of the states where Republicans were dealt some of their most embarrassing losses. Instead, high-profile Republicans like Herschel Walker in Georgia or Blake Masters in Arizona lost because Republican-leaning voters decided to cast ballots for Democrats even as they voted for Republican candidates for House or other down-ballot races in their states. That's a sign that despite what you may think, candidate quality matters. Let's talk about this more. Your calls, 232-1542. We'll be back in just a moment here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation during the break, somebody uh, called in and I don't know, maybe I misspoke, but was talking about me saying that that character mattered here. And that's if I said character quality or something like that instead of candidate quality, I apologize. I meant to say candidate quality. But here's the thing. When I say candidate quality matters, I'm not talking about character. I'm not talking about the person who they are. What happened in Georgia, what happened in several places across the United States, was not a matter of character. It was a matter of candidate. It was the choice in candidate. Herschel Walker is a beloved football star from Georgia. And that will never change. But when you are somebody who is a beloved football player or beloved anybody without any prior political affiliation, when you decide to run for political office, especially a high-profile partisan job like U.S. Senate, U.S. House, uh, uh, President, whatever, you're going to automatically alienate half the people who are not part of that party. The way that you win an election is by focusing on making the right campaign decisions. The campaign decisions that a person has to make and that a campaign has to make comes down to messaging comes down to advertising and comes down to public address. People will make the character argument for Herschel Walker. A lot of the things that came out about Herschel Walker were actually not unknown. There were people who prior to the primary in Georgia were saying, if this guy becomes the nominee, all the stuff that's written in his own autobiography, all of the stuff that has appeared in media interviews and themes like that, all of that will come out again. And that is a tactical decision that the campaign 
has to take into account. But here's the difference between the two, candidate quality-wise. Raphael Warnock, who you can make the argument that his character is just as bad as Herschel Walker's. There is enough that came out from this campaign that you could make the same argument. But Herschel Walker stayed on message. He focused his message and his campaigning. And as I mentioned the other day, his consultants were in-house and they were doing smart digital advertising buys. In 2021, Raphael Warnock had over 70 varieties of streaming ads for digital service. I told you guys this yesterday. One of the things is me, Mark, and somebody else in this building can all be watching TV and we can all say that we're watching the same thing and have the same commercial break, but the three of us could see something different in a Raphael Warnock ad based on how it was targeted to our demographic. The Republicans had two varieties for ads in 2021. This time again, Warnock was even more precise in targeting voters online than the GOP did. By the way, going back to something I said yesterday, you will not be surprised to discover that consultants make very little off digital advertising, which is why the GOP doesn't do it. In 2008 and 2012, Barack Obama kept all of his consultants in-house. The GOP farmed them out. Because the candidates were not the focus of the consultants, the candidate quality never got better. In 2022, because the candidates were running on different things, they were running on different messages, they were focusing on different things, they were not staying on message, and because they didn't have the money to put out their message, the quality of the candidate in every one of those close races that went the Democrats' way was much lower than it should have been. And really, looking at all of the data, it should have been a tidal wave of a year for the Republican Party. And in fact, like I mentioned from this New York Times piece, this was an absolute moment where Republicans turned out to vote, but they were so tired of the types of candidates. They were so tired of the types of candidates, they turned them down. And the Republicans either did not push a button in that race or they crossed over to vote the other way. The way that you campaign, the the type of candidate that you are, how on message, how devoted to the message you are, that makes all the difference. It is very much strategic. It is a literal battle. All right. So we've got some callers on the line. What we're going to do, let's, Mark, let's, let's get to this one caller and then let's take a break. Um, so uh, we'll do that. We've got uh, John on the line. Hey, John, how are you? Hey there, Joe. Hey, listen, uh, real quick, before this thing, I'm headed up by a 49 before it drops. Again. Uh, I think you just hit on something. Yeah. There. I think that if you go, you can go all the way back to when it was Edward Edwards versus David Duke mm-hmm. in the runoff. 
some people, they voted a ticket. They just went down voting a Republican ticket, and then they just simply did not vote for governor. And I think the same thing happened over in Georgia. Yeah. They were voting for other deals, and they looked at Herschel. And went, well, he means well, but, you know, he may very well may have long-term problem, health problems from head injuries because he took a heck of a lot of hits in his career. Yeah. And also the women deal and some other stuff. So I think a lot of people, they didn't necessarily cross lines. They just didn't pull the lever. They voted for the, their local candidates. They voted for other issues, and then they just left it alone. Yeah. Yeah, that, I I really think. Um, in fact, if you if you dig into some of the data from this New York Times piece that I'm I'm reading, that's kind of the indication. There's a, a lot of times they just left the top of the ballot blank. Uh, they they did not want to get into it. There's a lot of Republicans out there who, like you said, Herschel Walker means well. Like the guy who's a great football player, he just hasn't sold me on him because of the stuff that the media's put out, or just because of him as a person, or anything like that. But at the same time, I can't vote for Raphael Warnock. He's a progressive Democrat. His views on Christianity are not that of a pastor that I would trust. So I'm definitely not going to vote for him. And they just moved down the ballot. I think you're on to something there, buddy. All right, John. Thank you very much for the call. All right, y'all. I know there's some folks trying to call in. We will get to you shortly here on the Joe Cunningham Show. Let's go ahead and take this break. We'll be back to take your calls. More on all this and more here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the program, let's go right to the phone lines. We've got Warren on the line. Warren, how are you today? Hey, Joe, man. Thanks for the news. Um, this is where I get my news these days. Um, and I appreciate you keeping us updated. Well, thank you. Um, this all goes back to when... John McCain told the lie to the American people from the pit of hell that Barack Obama was a good man, and Barack Obama told American people he was going to fundamentally change America. And now, with Joe Biden, can do everything Barack Obama couldn't get away with, all this racism and killing people with all these shots, and now they know the shots are bad, people are seizing up and dropping dead on camera, and they're still trying to give five-year-olds this new vaccination. But there's one thing maybe you can tell me, Joe. Mm -hmm. The world's biggest volcano is erupting in Hawaii, and I just hope that Barack Obama, his big mansion, is sitting right dead on it. All right, Warren. I I don't know if it is. Uh, I will research that for you. Thank you very much for the call. All right, 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation, let's go back to the line. We've got Renee. Renee, how are you doing today? I think everything is wrong. Everything is represented about the uh, Biden and Obama administration for the uh, Brittany Griner trade. Everything that they represent is in her. That's why they don't care about that Marine left behind. First of all, she's a minority. Second of all, she's a woman. Third of all, she's LBGT. Fourth of all, her political affiliation with the woke left is everything abiding administration support, even the pot. I've been in the government jobs overseas. When they had the contraband box, you better believe I wasn't fast enough to dump, dump something away if I think it's contraband and, and travel's going to mess me up. Yeah, I, everything's wrong with that. I mean, these are the type of people, Biden might have been the type of person that, I don't know if he did or didn't, spit on G.I. Joe and he came back from the Vietnam War. So why wouldn't they leave the Marine behind and have the woke extremists 
basketball, LBGT basketball player brought over here at the trade. You know what would be the most funniest part instead of arms trade guy? Mm-hmm. If they had a drug dealer, they traded for her. That would, that would be the best. That would be hilarious and as hypocrite and as stupid as possible. You know, there are a lot of people out there that feel the exact same as you do, Renee, and I, I totally understand it. Thank you very much for the call. And that, that is that is part of the problem the Biden administration has on its hands right now is that the priorities really do seem to be completely and totally out of whack. What I'm curious to know as we you know wrap up the show, we've still got time, 232-1542 if you want to call in. What I'm curious to know, though, is the Republicans' plan for stopping this kind of thing going forward. Um, Because I mentioned yesterday, the consultant class in the GOP is a huge part of the problem here. Today, we have this information. Uh, The New York Times, Nate Cohn, breaks it down, and it's a very good breakdown of the data. Republicans, people who leaned Republican, did not vote all the time for Republican candidates. That's not All Republican candidates, that's just a small handful, but they were in the biggest races in the country. How is the GOP going to retain or regain power and try to put a stop to this stuff that they are complaining about right now? They don't have a plan. Uh, Right now, you've got uh, Ronna McDaniel, the chair of the RNC, running again. Um, An attorney from California, uh, Harmeet Dillon is uh has declared that she is going to run for rnc chair harmeet is a very good person a very good lawyer and has represented a lot of great conservatives in a lot of great legal fights would be i think a fantastic leader uh representative lee zeldin who ran for governor of new york has said that he's not going to run for rnc chair there's speculation that he's being kind of pitched as a uh as somebody who could be the non-Kevin, uh, uh, non-Kevin McCarthy compromise for House Speaker. Because, you know, House Speaker doesn't have to be a member of the House. House Speaker is just a, you just have to be elected with a majority of votes in the House in order to be named House Speaker. You could theoretically come up with a compromise candidate. Lee Zeldin would be great, but he's denied that he's running for that. But there is that possibility. Uh, but the Republican Party is in desperate need of some major changes. And it comes down to leadership change. And part of the leadership change is going to be that consultant class. And part of it is going to be accepting that we do need to take advantage of early and mail-in and absentee voting. And part of that's going to be that you need to take advantage of the great pool of people that are in the Republican party, but are not inclined to become politicians because it's such a vicious and dirty game out there. There are a lot of folks out there who would make great candidates and not because of what they believe or their type of character or anything like that, but because they are smart enough to be able to stay on message, to focus on the right message and to clearly be the type of person who could make a stellar campaign. But the Republican Party is in kind of a weird place right now. And part of this comes to a story that was out also today 
This one, I believe, the Washington Post. Ron DeSantis will be meeting this weekend with his top donors. See, Donald Trump announced three weeks ago that he was running for reelect, that he was running to get elected again to the presidency. It'll be his third time to run. But his campaign has really struggled. He hasn't really been able, it's been a failure to launch, and there's been a lot of bad uh, headlines, and the fact that his candidates in these major races did not do very well. And so that's making people like Ron DeSantis feel a little more confident about exploring it. So we're going to see. All right, we've got time for at least one more call, so let's jump to the lines. We've got John. John, how are you today? Hey, John, good. Uh, I just tuned in and yeah. was listening to what the other caller said, and that last caller, I agree with him. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I just wanted to say I think the Republican Party is lacking conservative candidates. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Dr. Oz was not a conservative. He was pro-gun control, pro-Obamacare, and pro-abortion. Speaking my and language, he should have John. Run as a Democrat. Yeah. yeah. He should have run as a Democrat. Why? I don't understand why Trump supported him, but as a Republican, if I lived in Pennsylvania, I would not have voted for him, I, I I may have just to not have Fetterman, but mm-hmm. he certainly would not be my first choice. Oh, so you, we just have to run conservative candidates. Although, it'll, uh, interestingly, Trump was not very conservative. Was not really an ideologue. Yeah, but his views on things really struck home with a lot of Republicans and a lot of conservatives, and that's you know one reason he was so successful and, and well liked. Yeah. Um, you know, that's what I got. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right on that, John. And one of the reasons Trump went with Oz is because he was pushed by Melania and uh, Sean Hannity and others. But you're right. Trump himself is not a conservative ideologue, but he is something that his voters really appreciate. And that's why they're so loyal to him. He had loyalty to the people that he, he was not even that he had loyalty to the people that got him into office. They've supported him. Right. They asked for things. He pushed for those things. And they remembered that. And that's something, even if you're not the most conservative guy in the field, if you listen to the conservative voters and do what they asked you to do, 10 times out of 10, they're going to stay with you. And that's why Trump right. still has such a presence in the party. One thing I liked about Trump is I felt he was for me. He was someone had my back. Someone with, with, with things that were important to me were important to him mm-hmm. from what he vocalized and what he said. Yeah. And I, I like that. All right, John, got to go. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Appreciate talking to you. We've got to take our 23-hour break. We will be back to wrap up the week here on The Joe Cunningham Show. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, Substack, JoeCunninghamShow.substack.com. Guess what? Shannon is offsides next. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.